so you have to just become a stronger person and endure through it uh, because the alternative to this is animals are still going to be killed evil will prevail that's an amazing message man because you really you've got a couple choices here give up or push through and keep fighting <laughs> episode of the Carb Strong Cast. Today I'm happy to be talking to a very well-known YouTuber, vegan and animal rights advocate, Richard from the YouTube channel Vegan Gains. Thanks for joining us, Richard. Hey, no problem. So let's start from the beginning. There's probably some people from my platform who don't know who you are and your work. So how did you go vegan? What was the driving force behind that? Where did it all begin? Yeah, so um, I went vegan 10 years ago now. Um, it was right when I finished high school and uh, I had a, a friend at the time who linked a Gary Yarofsky speech on Facebook, and I had heard of veganism before then. Like, I, I was just never actually introduced to the whole, like, ethical message. I didn't really understand it. I literally never even knew a vegan. So I just thought it was interesting. I had decided to give it a watch uh, just so I can learn more about it. And then after watching that, um, I just had no reason to keep eating meat. Uh, you know, Gary Yarovsky is an amazing speaker. Um, he went over the how it's like bad for your health, bad for the environment. Um, it's just bad for society in general. Um, you know, there's no ethical like justification to do it. It just horrifically just abuses, tortures, murders animals. So right then and there, I just decided to go vegan. Yeah, that's interesting. Gary has impacted a lot of people and his speeches can be considered by some as abrasive and all of these things, you know, but the message is so strong and powerful and direct. Was there anything in particular in his speech that hit you or was it the whole speech in its entirety? Um, definitely the ethical, uh, the ethical side hit me the hardest. Um, when I initially went vegan, like I've said this before in one of my earliest videos, um, the main driving factor was still the health issue, mm. but what what gave, what stuck me to the whole lifestyle was the was the ethics. Like just because it wasn't my primary focus at the time, um, that that doesn't mean it w wasn't still important to me. Um, because you know I was super into health, fitness, and um, when I found out that you know it's terrible for your heart health, um, it might even like negatively impact sports performance in some ways. That's what really made me want to like try the diet. But what made me stick to it was knowing, okay, like, look, even if this isn't the best thing for me, like, even if it turns out that I lose a bit of strength or something, I don't think I'm going to go back to eating meat just because how bad I know it is, like, ethically. Mm -hmm. But yeah. things have changed since then. Like, uh, it didn't take too long, um, just like maybe a couple of years where ethics was my main focus, you know, just yeah. maturing a bit, kind of getting better perspective on the world, my place in it. Yeah. I think if you have one at the exclusion of the other, like health with the, with the exclusion of the ethics, that's where you see people falling off the wagon and going, well, there are ways you can be, you know, all round healthy and still include some animal products. But when you've got that ethical foundation, that, that actually doesn't just make vegans, that makes animal rights activists and vocal vegans, people who are speaking up against this injustice. And that's what I want to ask you. How did you go from, you know, someone who watched Gary's speech, you know, a younger sort of guy to being a voice for the animals with a massive platform? Where did that start? So, um, 
you know, at first I just talked to my friends about it, and uh, actually a few of my friends went vegan. I, I think I convinced like three friends to go yeah. vegan. Um, and then I just got more involved on YouTube. Like I didn't start a channel yet, but I just like watched fitness content and then I'd see them like promoting meat and like a lot of animal products. And then I just argue in the comment section and then I just get swarmed by morons, like telling me, you don't know what the like hell you're talking about. You're an idiot. And then I, I just got fed up with it to the point where I just had to make a YouTube channel. So, yeah. So the motivation was like the misinformation people were spreading and you yeah. know you had sort of a desire to debunk a lot of this nonsense was the ethical sort of thing a part of it too like well you know animals are being well, yeah. tortured and killed as well <clears throat> there's like multiple levels to that uh you know obviously the misinformation is a problem for me but i also see it as an ethical issue like yeah i don't like lies being spread no matter what it is so <clears throat> that was also a big ethical part for me just the fact that it's untrue and like it is just lies um it's not yeah. even misinformation it's people just lying and um yeah also it's just annoying that people are spreading these lies that end up harming animals yeah so like your channel blew up fast it was one of the fastest growing channels in like of its time kind of thing from what i knew it just it started yeah. blowing up really fast at the start and that must have been pretty overwhelming because you were making very high quality videos, well-researched <clears throat> videos. You're a lot younger at that stage too, but, um, you know, that must have been a lot of heat to take because you took the fitness community by storm kind of thing and everyone was talking about you with a large platform because yeah. you were making these response videos and they were yeah. unapologetic and you were brutally honest, to be, be fair with you, which takes yeah. a lot of courage. And I don't think anyone in the fitness community were really used to that. So, like, how did that How did that whole thing, like, affect you? Was it like, whoa, what's going on here? Or did you love it? Or was it intense? Um, when I first started my channel, like, within the first, I'd say, four or five videos, I kind of knew that I was going to be popular. Like, I, I just mm -hmm. kind of felt it in my head. Mm -hmm. um, when I first started my channel... <clears throat> I thought it would have t taken like a long time to develop any kind of presence and I, I wasn't really counting on becoming a big name, but after uploading like maybe four or five videos, I, I don't know, it just kind of clicked in my head that like, yeah, this is something that I'm just going to do and kind of be successful at. Um, no, I, I wasn't, uh, like it didn't affect me really mentally though, like it, it wasn't a shock or anything. Um, I grew up in a pretty intense household where, like, fighting with my parents and everything every day, and, you know, I, I grew up in a hockey family, like, for any Canadians, like, <laughs> you kind of understand how crazy, like, hockey parents and all that is, so, yeah, just dealing with online hate, like, people calling me an idiot thousands of times, it's nothing to me, it's like, you know, a normal day, <laughs> Me, yeah so. you, you need a thick skin for it and it looks yeah. like that maybe your family situation has given you that thick skin to deal with all the backlash that happens on youtube and because you're so forthright and honest you're going to get the backlash but you could also argue that if you weren't forthright and honest and unapologetic and controversial you wouldn't have developed your platform so fast so the kind of yeah. knock-on effect of that was positive yeah in many ways yeah, and, um, you know, a lot of people try to hold it against you, like, oh, if you were more nice, like, you'd convince a lot more people to go vegan. 
I think that's just total BS. Um, I've been arguing with this with uh, Penguin Zero fans. Like, you, you probably yeah. noticed that whole thing that happened with yeah. uh, that guy. Like, um, there has to be some sort of social consequence to doing something wrong. Like, if, if we're going to recognize eating meat as, you know, wrong, you have to be unapologetic. Like, if you're not, then, like, what, what, what basis do we have to make an argument? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you have to be harsh with people. Yeah, I agree. If we want to make, you know, abusing and killing animals for food socially unacceptable, then your advocacy should be consistent with your stance against animal abuse. So you brought up a mad good point with Penguin Zero when you said to him, you're criticizing me for saying, look in the mirror and calling you a hypocrite. When you said to this, uh, what was that YouTuber's name? Soy Young. You were telling her and all of her followers that they're pieces of shit and that they're all sort of bad people. But when I did it back to you, all of a sudden I'm the bad guy. And I thought that that pointing out that hypocrisy was so strong that, you know, and also like, you know, the eating of live animals thing, you know, and you're doing exactly the same thing. If you're not going to call out these obvious hypocrisies, then what good are you to the the animals or to, to, to anyone if you're making a point? And I think that that was great. Yeah, and like regardless of how the message is, you know, sent across, I, I think if you're making sense, if what you're saying is sound, um, ultimately that's all that's going to matter. Uh, people who are going to latch on to, oh, you're too mean, you're rude, you're hostile, aggressive. I don't think any way you like, you know, send them the message they're going to go vegan because they're just latching on to whatever excuse they can. Um, mm-hmm. You know, reasonable people with a, a you know, a good character they're going to look at information and then make the right judgment on it. And, you know, those people who make those complaints like, oh, vegans are too mean, clearly they don't, they don't have the strength of character to make, you know, good judgments. And also, like, what you did do with the Penguin Zero is that you complimented him for calling out animal abuse for 75% of the video. Like, the start of the video was like, yeah. it's really good to see big YouTubers, you know, calling out this animal abuse. But... <laughs> If you're going to, you know, so, you know, there was a balance there. So I think it's unfair to take that one part, which is calling out an obvious hypocrisy and then not not look at the whole spectrum of what you were saying. So I think like this tactic of calling out public figures and making response videos has been hugely effective, especially for your advocacy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now you're from what I've seen with your videos, I've been following you for a long time. And from, you know, the early, earliest videos that you made, I always knew that you're going to, you know, make it big because you are very high functioning and you've got a really good knack of retaining information and especially health research. So are you like self-taught or does your brain actually function at a sort of higher rate for you to process and present that information so coherently? Yeah. Like, um, I, I did basically, I am self-taught essentially. Um, I've like done all my own research. Like I never went to uh, school for any of this. I I just only graduated high school. Um, And yeah, like the way my brain works, I I think it does just kind of function differently than most people. Like when I make a video, I actually have the entire script written out in my head with all the characters and everything and how it's going to flow. So I have a like a, a good ability to just retain information and I just like instantly know how I'm going to use it, how I'm going to just construct my arguments. So I, I think I just have a natural talent for that sort of thing. 
Yeah, it's impressive. And the way you, you taught yourself to read like some of the like the, the numbers in research and percentages and, you know, so these things that people go to university and you get degrees to read uh, and learn, like you're debating PhDs and you're destroying them using the research, which I think is really impressive for someone without that type of formal education. So from an ethical perspective, like why is veganism so strong to defend, so easy to, to defend and why is it so strong from an ethical perspective? Well, um, everyone essentially more or less shares the same ethical beliefs when it comes to mm. humans. Um, I think like, unless you're a psychopath, maybe, yeah. uh, you know, we all agree, you know, it's wrong to murder people. It's wrong to rape people, enslave people. Mm. So since animals, they share the same, uh, basic traits that we share, like sentience, intelligence, uh, you know, they can think, feel, uh, feel love, joy, pain, suffering, it's really easy to argue for animal rights from that perspective. And you're probably familiar with um, Name the Trait. So I, I think Isaac's Name the Trait uh, is just a perfect argument, essentially, for anybody who's trying to argue that animals shouldn't have the same basic rights as humans that pr uh, protects them from murder, rape, slavery. So I think that's why the, the uh, argument for veganism is so strong. It's just that they're so similar to us that you can't really find any reasonable justification to treat them so differently. Yeah. And the, the justifications people do use, do you find there's a running theme? Like what are some of the common ones? I know intelligence you said um, is one, but people might say, well, obviously a cow isn't as intelligent as, you know, a large, you know, percentage of human beings. But and then they might say, well, they're not part of our species. They don't. They don't contribute to society. What are some of the running themes that you see? And if you quickly could answer them, that'd be good for people listening too. Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of people don't really understand the difference between sentience and intelligence. So I, yeah. I guess when you're talking to normies, they kind of tend to conflate the two, and then um, they and then they just basically rely on the the intelligence argument. But intelligence. In any species, there's a spectrum. There's going to be a bell curve. So, yeah. like, you can find humans that are just as intelligent as a cow, and you yeah. can find some cows that are like fairly intelligent. Like, obviously, not as smart as smartest human. So, it's just a strange argument to rely on when intelligence is on a spectrum within our own species. Yeah. Um, so, that's a, a common thing that I see. But really, what all of this comes down to, really, is tribalism. Essentially, I, I've talked about I've talked a bit about this when I made a, a video about destiny. Um, humans are just very tribal. Like we primarily care about our own species first, and uh, people who aren't really socialized with animals all that well, like they haven't really spent like even I think a lot of these people who come up with these arguments, I don't I don't think they've really ever had like family pets even. Um, so I just think they end up just not caring about animals just because they haven't been socialized. Mm -hmm. And then there's this tribal mentality where we're the only thing that matters, everything outside of our in-group, like who really cares. I think that's the most common trend that I really see. But, uh, you know, then when you run name the trade on them, um, it all falls flat. Like they have no argument. So let's just run through name the trait for people who don't know what that is. Yeah, so um, it's I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but um, essentially it's a challenge 
and it challenges somebody to name a trait that is lacking in animals that, if also lacking in a human being, would justify treating a human being the same way they treat an animal. So, uh, for example, um, like if you ask somebody, okay, well, can you name a trait that's missing in an animal that would justify uh, killing them, but would also justify killing a human? If, um, you know, a human was, was missing that trait, they might give the trait intelligence. And yeah. then you just say, okay, well, if a human was as unintelligent as, say, a pig, a cow, a chicken, would it be okay to kill that human being? Most people will end up saying no, so then that ends up being a contradiction. Yeah. Yeah, and then if they bite the bullet, they're saying, "Okay, so you're in favor of taking away human rights." Yeah, it's a little exactly. Crazy. It's like the marginal case argument in a way where, like, that especially there are marginal case humans with you know mental handicaps, and we wouldn't we we still offer them rights, and we might treat them a little differently, but we still offer offer them fundamental rights. I think what people might get a little bit mixed up um, with is that we are we are you guys really asking for equal treatment of animals? Or, but really, we're asking for equal kind of moral consideration of animals, isn't it? We don't want we don't want animals to be treated in the exact same way humans are in every way, and we don't think that yeah. they're equal to us in every way. So I think that's where they start, you know, butting heads with us. But when we sort of get them to narrow down what we have in common, you know, and that's what that's what sort of uh, should stop them from having their rights taken away as well, I guess. Yeah, like, uh, you know, we're not arguing for giving pigs a right to vote. Uh, yeah. That's just kind of ridiculous. But there are yeah. commonalities between humans and animals where they should have at least some of the same rights. And I think they should yeah. have the right to not be abused, mistreated, or murdered. Yeah, very, very simple. And I guess um, sometimes you're just rubbing your hands when people drop these, uh, you know, justifications that you've heard a million times because they're so easy to sort of debunk i saw that you did a few debates with uh, some penguin fans after the that controversy and two of them actually went vegan one of them was actually quite hilarious he's like you you started going through all of these objections that he had and when there weren't any left oh okay i'm going vegan like yeah, yeah. It, it's it's kind of like uh carnist bingo in a way like it's just like okay i'm gonna sit here as patiently as i can and let this person you know, rattle off these objections for all of which there is an answer to. Um, now, is there a point when your patience gets pushed? And what is that point? Um, and what does that to you to make you go, oh, well, this is an unproductive conversation. I'm going to cut it off here. Uh, the only thing that will just like make my patience just go away and where I, I start like flipping out or just, you know, ending the, the conversation, uh, it's when they're just dishonest and, and start lying. Uh, okay. w the one debate with uh, the Penguin Zero fan, uh, the guy was just deliberately dishonest. And every time that he was backed into a corner in the debate where, you know, we pulled up a contradiction with uh, when we ran name the trade, mm -hmm. he'd try to uh, deny that there was a contradiction, even though we'd run through it multiple times. And I'd like carefully explain to him. Uh, then when he couldn't, like, uh, try to deny that there was a contradiction, he tried to change the topic and, you know, just break off into these red herrings. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when I wouldn't let him do any of this, he he just ended up saying, well, I don't care. So yeah. the guy was just being deliberately dishonest. And, you know, I just yeah. said, F you, just, and yeah. just ended the debate. And what's funny is after the debate, I actually, uh, I linked this in a pinned comment in that debate. Um, he admitted to me in private that he was wrong, that he contradicted himself, and that there was no justification to eat animals. So the wow. guy just wasted my my time. <laughs> I think maybe he was trying... 
what people can do if they're in a public arena is try to save face and be yeah. dishonest to win the debate in public. But then when what you say sinks in and there's no sort of audience, they're happy to admit defeat kind of thing. <clears throat> it's happened to yeah. me a couple of times. And maybe that's what it was. But I guess that's frustrating because if they're not going to have an honest discussion about it, then what are they doing sitting there? Are you, just, are you fighting just to win the debate? But, but the, I heard a really good thing. It's like when you have a debate, it's not usually to p convince the other person. It's to convince yeah. the audience watching. And you have a large audience watching and they can make up their own minds at who was being honest and whose uh, arguments were more sound. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, um, I... I I've, I've gotten better, like, I think some of my earlier debates, I, I just flipped my lid, like, uh, a little too quickly, but um, now, you know, when people are at least giving me arguments, and the conversation is moving along, and they're being relatively honest, um, like, I don't mind, I, I stay calm, but when they start being dishonest and just flat out lying to me, yeah. uh, that's when my patience runs thin. Yeah, I've noticed that you're... Like from what people say and what how you actually act, they're so different because you are <laughs> a lot calmer than what people say. And yeah. like if anyone who they might have heard something about you and refused to watch your content, I'd just say go back through some of your debates and you tell me how you would handle them because you handle them very um, cool, calm, collected. You're not BSing anyone and you, you're really on point. And what I found especially impressive um, is that when people try to talk about what is actually effective advocacy when you're actually trying to have an ethical discussion here um, and you, you won't let them do it. Why are you sort of pushing this off onto what is actually effective advocacy? That's a different topic. We're trying to have a, dis a discussion about ethics, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, usually when people run out of arguments, they do that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Just branch off into some red herring and it's easier to... Like, really, I just see that as a form of personal attack when somebody talks yeah. about effective vegan advocacy. Um, unless we've, like, agreed to debate that specific topic in, like, the debate proposition, yeah. um, it's really just a form of personal attack where instead of actually criticizing the person's arguments, well, now you're just attacking them personally, saying you don't know how to argue. Like, you're not doing it right and you're being mean. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like another form of dishonesty or like if the if the message was so easy to attack, they would have just attacked the message. But obviously, because the message is strong, because your arguments are strong, they have to attack all these exterior things. And it's good that you don't cop that. You don't take that and go, oh, well, okay. And you start getting off into this argument about something else. You keep it on topic, which is hard to do, especially in the heat of debate, which is very impressive as well. So I want to talk about like veganism is obviously a moral philosophy and a moral principle, but you do have a lot of discussions about health and what actually got you into that? Was it, was it because people are spreading misinformation about health? Was it because people were using health to justify eating meat and what we do to animals? Why do you talk so much about health? <clears throat> yeah, so I've always been interested in health and nutrition like for a very, very long time. Um, so that's one of the reasons. It's just because yeah. it's my area of expertise and interest. Um, but yeah, especially in the fitness industry, uh, people always use that argument. And even just average normies off the street who aren't even into fitness, um, they rely on this misinformation that they heard from like a men's health magazine or something like that. Like everyone has, you know, everyone's gained a bit of weight and kind of wants to lose it and, you know, started some sort of exercise routine. I'm sure everyone's had that sort of experience. So 
uh, they're getting even just the general pu public. Uh, they just get this misinformation that you need to eat meat for protein or you have to eat meat for B12 or, or something like that. So, you know, it's kind of an important topic because there are these pervasive myths that are just culturally ingrained that you just have to eat meat to even live. Yeah. And what they end up doing is trying to justify something horrific to animals in the name of B12 or something. So yeah. you need to know like a little bit about B12 as an, even as an animal rights activist. So you can go, well, wait a second. What are you trying to justify this Holocaust of animals for B12? This is just crazy. You, you have this interesting argument that you sort of put forward. It's more like, it's kind of like name the trait, but it's kind of like name the nutrient. So you, yeah. do you want to explain a little bit about that? Yeah, um, like a lot of, this happened in, I think, my last debate where the person was saying, like, you can't get all the nutrients you need on a vegan diet. And I just asked them, like, okay, name the nutrient, like name the nutrients you can't get. And then, um, you know, if they, usually they can't even name the nutrient. They're just like, oh, I just know there's some, which, you know, obviously stupid. And, yeah. um, you know, if they can name them, well, then we can go through all the, <clears throat> sorry, all the research uh, showing like, no, you can easily get the, this nutrient on a vegan diet, even if you can find like general population trends where vegans might be low in something. Uh, like some of the earlier research, um, you know, vegans were low in B12, but some of the more yeah. recent stuff shows it's about even. Uh, there's still some things like calcium, zinc, where on average vegans do get a little less than they should. But if you appropriately plan your diet, it's easy. So yeah, you just I just ask them, name the nutrient, what things can't you get? And then we just go through all the research and what foods you need to eat to yeah. uh, get it. So when they say like, oh, vegans are deficient, um, there's nothing inherent, inherent about a well-planned vegan diet that's deficient. Even so, so like talk about that study that you pulled up, the Switzerland study, and it talked about deficiencies across different uh, diet trends. Talk about that. Yeah, so there was a recent study, I think it was 2015, 2016, yeah. uh, very recent, and it was out of Switzerland. They took uh, meat eaters, vegans, vegetarians, and just compa uh, compared nutrient intake and status. Um, there wasn't, like, there were certain trends towards deficiencies in every diet group. I think uh, yeah. the meat eaters, they had the highest rate of folate deficiency at like 60%. Yeah which yeah. is insanely high and it's especially dangerous for pregnant women because that can actually lead to uh, birth defects. Yeah. Um, and then I think in the vegan group, calcium and zinc was lowest. And uh, I can't remember what the lowest were for vegetarians. I think it was B6 or something. It was some B vitamin. It wasn't B12 okay. though. So you can find um, very common nutrient deficiencies uh, across all diet groups. Uh, but what you have to keep in mind is these are just population trends. Uh, you know, yeah. you could just be analyzing, you know, an unhealthy population that just doesn't eat well. That doesn't yeah. mean there's necessarily anything inherently wrong with a particular dietary pattern like plant-based dieting where you're going to get these deficiencies. It's just that in this population, these people just eat this particular way and on average they have these nutrient deficiencies. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like even if you see, you know, very high deficiency rates, um, well, like still a certain percentage of those people in that diet group weren't deficient in those nutrients. So clearly it is possible to appropriately plan a diet where you can get these nutrients. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like if you were, say, having a discussion about animal ethics, the only main time to address that is if they have a health objection, like yeah. using that objection 
to commit this atrocity to animals. And they go, well, I'd like to, but I won't be healthy and, you know, I have to look after my well-being. And then you can start going, well, name a nutrient. <laughs> well, what what will you be deficient in? Um, do you know how to well plan a vegan diet? Like, and, and these questions can sort of expose their ignorance on the topic that they're using to justify this animal cruelty. So Yeah, and I'll, I'll also, like, uh, say there's different levels to that discussion like they're yeah. usually when pe people bring that up like they genuinely think like if they don't eat meat they're, like they're gonna die like soon yeah. like they're gonna get really unhealthy so i think when they're making that sort of argument it's it's worth getting into that discussion but mm -hmm. you also have people who uh who think like oh you you just can't be optimally healthy like you you'll still be healthy as a vegan but it won't be optimal i think at that point when you're gonna have to debate like like really minute things uh, and talk about uh, differences in morbidity, uh, all-cause mortality, where j just these fringe differences where, okay, it might make like a year or two difference to your lifespan. It's not worth getting into that that debate no. uh, if you're if the main focus is ethics because, yeah. look, you can't justify like murdering thousands of animals in your lifetime just so you can live an extra year. Like, no. so yeah, I, I just yeah. point that out. Yeah, when it gets into like the reviewing research sort of area and you get someone really into that, I don't think that's worth it. I think it's a little bit, you know, smarter to point to the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics peer-reviewed paper and say, look, this is a big peer-reviewed paper that they're pointing to. Let's get back on the topic of, you know, yeah, what's happening if, to animals. Like there's a time and place to, you know, debate nutrition. Like obviously yeah. if you agree to debate these sorts of things, but if the main focus is ethics... And then they make an argument like that. Well, oh, I can live like a year longer if I eat meat. Just tell them to it's, F off. It's just yeah. not worth debating. If they yeah. can agree that you can be pretty much just as healthy on a vegan diet, it's not even worth discussing. Just keep it on the ethical argument. And just yeah. point out like, okay, well, if you could kill and eat humans and live an extra year longer, would it be worth it? Like, clearly not. Yeah. There's, there's a threshold. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And you have a lot of nutrition debates, which are very impressive to watch, and it's way outside of my realm. But um, obviously, I'm focusing more on what the animals are going through. But I do think it's important to have a simple understanding of these things. So when people say, like, you know, you need cholesterol or something, and you can only find that in animals, and you can say, well, well, well no, you don't you produce your own cholesterol. Like, you need to know that those yeah. type of simple things. So having an understanding of basic nutrition is good, even as an animal rights activist. And um, so... You've had your channel for a while now. I think you've got about over 70 million views now. So um, you've made a very big impact. I mean, you, no one can dispute that. And I'm sure you've had a lot of messages from people. So what, what are some of the impacts that you've made that you're proud of or that you've seen happen? Have you influenced influencers? Have you influenced lots of people? Are they messaging you saying, thanks, Vegan Gains? Or... Yeah, um, I have actually received a lot of messages from people who've had issues with uh, depression and like wow. they're actually near suicide and they actually thanked me for making like uh, good educational content, funny videos. Like uh, that's the like probably the messages that surprised me the most where I've like actually convinced people not to kill themselves. So yeah. I'm, I'm pretty pr uh, proud of that. Um, yeah. I think um, I have kind of like I, it wasn't really talked about much in the fitness industry, like plant-based dieting before mm -hmm. I came on YouTube. So yep. uh, it's definitely become more of a topic of discussion. And I think um, a lot of people are eating more plant-based uh, yeah. on, you know, on fitness YouTube uh, now that I've kind of brought up the discussion. So I'm also proud of that. 
yeah, you've influenced and, and the fitness community on YouTube is like one of the biggest. It's huge. It's a very huge demographic that you, you know, punched your way through and into there and got in everyone's heads and and it's it's quite amazing and but you dispelled a lot of myths as well and you yeah. got people to start questioning things and that's important that's how activism works you know you created discussion right sometimes it was disruptive and you you got people questioning these things and you went through and educated them all i mean what type what what is you know you could argue little things about your character and the way you went about it sometimes and you you know insulting this and all all of these things but you were creating the perfect, you know, sort of place for this discussion to happen. And people like yeah. could try to start debunking you. They'd look into it and find out that what you're saying is true. And that's how it works. So that's why I tell people like, look, you're a diff everyone's got their own character. You know, some people are a bit more harder than others. Some people are a bit more softly spoken. Some of the philosophers, some are, you know, in other areas different. But as long as your message is true, verifiable, that's the main thing that counts. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't get so hung up on how you're spreading the message exactly. Like, as long as you're not, I don't know, shooting people or something, like committing acts of terrorism. Yeah. I, I don't think there's really any wrong ways to spread the message. Like, um, you know, different strokes for different folks. You know, I appeal to yeah. a certain demographic. You appeal to yeah. a certain demographic. So... I, I wouldn't get too hung up on being concerned uh, with appealing to the most amount of people. I think when you do that, you appeal to the least. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I got this. We have this theory where, like, if you dilute the message to reach a larger audience, say in the millions, but it's a very surface level message, then you're going to be less effective on average. But if you reach a smaller audience, with a very strong message, a very motivational message, you know, one that makes them feel accountable, then you're going to be more effective on average. So I think diluting the message or changing the message or compromising on the message is a bad thing to do because then you've educated all these people with the wrong idea of what veganism is. And that's when you get people falling off veganism, saying, making videos, I'm not vegan anymore, when they weren't even practicing vegans to begin with. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about um, you're in quarantine right now. Everyone's in quarantine. I haven't seen it really impact what you do, but there's a lot of animal rights activists who are used to being on the streets and stuff. They can't do their method of activism. Now, do you think social media is a key player in you know long-term animal rights activism and to reach larger audience? Obviously, it has been for you. Like, What advice would you give to people who are in quarantine right now and how they can make an impact from home? Well, um, you can start your own, uh, like animal rights pages. Um, yeah. like I, I know a lot of activists, even, even though they primarily do IRL activism, uh, most of them still have like Facebook or Instagram. Mm. Uh, so, you know, you can either just do activism on your personal account, or you can even just make, uh, your own sort of public page, uh, you know, specifically mm. for activism. And, um, like really the best way to do it is to find um like these big names uh like celebrities uh you know social media personalities and start a discussion with these people yeah. uh, or their fan base um i i think that's you know the the most effective way to actually get attention and draw attention to these issues mm -hmm. like if you like if i were to have started my youtube channel and only talked about veganism but not actually involve anyone's name into it like not talk about celebrities or, or big personalities 
I don't think it would get nearly as much attention. So okay. you, you have to seek attention for these things because, you know, you're, the general person, they're not actually looking for that information. Mm-hmm. So you, you kind of have to bring it to them. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. I haven't seen anything really more effective because even though some of your, like just using penguins as an example here, they had like some of these the like to dislike ratio was yeah. so out they they all just came to dislike the video yeah. but the video was completely logically logi- uh, logically sound and your arguments were strong and you know and you were quite moderate in a lot of in those videos if yeah. from my opinion but they just come to dislike it and then you're getting them into the live streams and then you're responding yeah. to them all it's like the perfect way to like sort of reel everyone in and educate them all which i thought was so effective that doesn't get more effective like that if yeah. you can handle the backlash and like yeah that's what i was going to bring up uh, a lot of people do have issues with like handling backlash um mm. you know i I'm kind of weird. I've always kind of been an attention-seeking sort of person. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, your average person, they're a little more private. They don't like that much, you know, attention drawn to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't get kind of overwhelmed. Like, most of these people are, like, 10, 15-year-olds. Like, I've received a few death threats from them. Like, uh, I I know a lot of people who, like, you know, quit social media after they receive death threats like that. Like, look, a 10-year-old who lives in Denmark isn't going to fly over and murder your whole family. So don't take those sorts of things too seriously. And when you see all of this backlash, all of this negative attention, you just have to understand they're just reacting. They're trying to protect, you know, their the their idol, you know. So yeah, yeah. It's not like they're actually even listening to you. And um, there are going to be people in that audience who do actually listen to you. And you yeah. know, when they do, you know, they'll agree with you. And I'm sure you could find a few comments or a few people reaching out to you saying like, oh, you know, when I. When I went over to your channel, I wasn't expecting to, like, you know, be convinced by this. I've yeah. I've received a few messages from Penguin Zero fans saying that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and I guess, like, you'd receive a lot of people who are angry at the start, but then the message sinks in, and now there are the fans, or they're commenting in your yeah. comment section all the time, and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so don't get overwhelmed from, like, negative attention, people calling you an idiot or sending you death threats, uh, especially... Yeah. Especially like Penguin Zero fans, like if you're going gonna go after somebody who's in like the gaming industry or something, you're gonna get a lot of idiot twelve year olds who are who are yeah. gonna say that sort of thing. Yeah, and that's one thing to take to keep in mind. Um, if they don't have like a picture on their avatar and it's just like a blank avatar sort of thing, keep in mind that that if it sounds like so immature that it's a twelve year old, then it probably is. Probably is. Yeah. <laughs> so don't. Yeah, like <laughs> I've made that mistake a few times, but sometimes there are 30, 40 year olds who really uh, act like a 12 year old yeah but, you know just be considered when you know that this person probably is just a kid so um i actually was going to ask you how you deal with the adversity and backlash because look man like when you're doing this consistently long term and like if you've seen some of my stuff i've been in the media copped a lot of backlash death threats people and other vegans in the movement even coming at me for saying certain things in a certain way or being aggressive and all of these things like you might just write this off a little bit, but that takes strength of character. And has has there only ever been like times when you're really like feeling it? Like you're like, oh man, I don't know. Like I'm sort of questioning this or this is really hitting me hard and I don't know if I can keep going on like this consistently because you've been very consistent for years now and years and you've copped it harder than most people on YouTube and you're still going strong with the same message. Like, 
talk about um, your ups and downs and do you get downs, real downs or? I, uh, I've suffered from depression my entire life and actually yeah. uh, up until I went vegan, I suffered from suicidal depression where like literally okay. every day I just wanted to die. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, it still comes back like the depression. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's related to anything on YouTube, like what okay. people are saying to me. Um, I've driven myself like to the point where I've, I've just worked too much and that okay. definitely contributed to my depression, but it's, it's not from like any kind of negative backlash. Um, the way I deal with negativity online, like, I think I'm just different. So when people fight against me like this, call me an idiot, it only motivates me more to like win, like to prove them wrong. Um, like with the whole Penguin Zero Charlie situation. Yeah. Um, I am still just so driven to fucking win and disprove mm -hmm. all of these idiots. So I never get like weighed down and say like, oh my God, I'm never going to convince these people just forget life. And then I get into a depression. No, like if I'm in a depression that actually helps get me out of it because now I'm motivated to like fight and win and beat people. Wow. Um, I've, uh, I've mentioned this a bit, but uh, I I'd recommend people read the manga Berserk. I know a lot of people aren't into like comics, but it's like a Japanese comic series uh, called okay. Berserk. And there's a, a really good theme in that in that uh, series where if you don't fight, if you don't give give it your all and you don't endure that sort of, you know, backlash, that pain, suffering, the alternative to that is just doom. Like yeah. if we don't fight for these things, if we mm -hmm. don't kind of tolerate whatever pain and hardship this brings with, you know, all the negativity that's thrown at you, mm -hmm. um, there's only just going to be doom. Um, yeah. So you have to just become a stronger person and endure through it uh, because the alternative to this is animals are still going to be killed. Evil will prevail. So you just have to be stronger and just learn to enjoy the fight and just yeah. keep fighting. And then eventually, um, you know, over time, you won't have to have this fight anymore. Yeah. That's an amazing message, man, because you really, you've got a couple choices here. Give up or push through and keep fighting. And everyone has their own way to motivate themselves to do that. But when you're looking at the victims of the animal victims and you, you know, if you give up at this stage and you got this far, then you'll live your rest of your life in regret kind of thing. And like this, like for activists like you and myself, that this is a really strong purpose. Like it gives me something to wake up to and, you know, fight and keep going. And, you know, before this, like, I really was quite lost and now I have a good cause to fight for and it's a noble cause. It is a noble cause because the animals there, they are vulnerable, they can't communicate for themselves, they can't speak out for themselves. So they need voices for, to, to defend them kind of thing and they need strong people to defend them. So when you look at it like, hey, I, you know, I'm not just defending the, the position of veganism in its whole sense, I'm defending the animals as well who are being butchered and killed for these people and, you know, that can also motivate to keep going too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like also consider, uh, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants, uh, you know, that's often said in the scientific community, but that applies with everything. Um, one person can't make, you know, change the world entirely. It's not like one person is going to get rid of animal agriculture. Yeah. So, you know, you're kind of, you know, I, I don't think anyone should kind of go into this with the expectation that, 
you know, the the world will go vegan in their lifetime. It could be. Like, we might be living in that generation. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, just keep in mind, we have to create social change. Um, you know, veganism has to work its way into politics. You know, we have to, you know, make laws, you know, preventing, uh, you know, the slaughter of animals. This yeah. takes time um, and yeah. it takes a group effort. It takes a, a large portion of people to work at this. So I know it's easy to like get down, especially when you're getting all this negative backlash. But, mm -hmm. you know, you're part of a movement that is creating change and things yeah. are slowly but surely going to get better. And if you give up at this um, again, the alternative is worse than, yeah. you know, whatever sort of hardship you have to go through to fight for this. The alternative is animals still get tortured and killed yeah yeah i agree i agree with you and it's it's uh been a long road and there's a long road ahead and um like you really did fight to to and work extremely hard to get your platform where it is today your the quality of your videos and the consistency of your videos especially at the beginning and and up until now um that type of workload is hard to maintain consistently and dealing with the arguments and then you know trying to better yourself and research do all your own research on top of that um for the average person that can be quite an overwhelming thought to do that but you know you weren't handed this platform that you have you fought to get it and you worked really hard for it how much how many hours were you working or have you worked to get to where you've got well um in the beginning like it I mean, for the first few years, that was pretty much all I freaking did. Um, and uh, again, that like that caused me to like spiral in and out of depression for a long time. Um, even after I met Jasmine, um, she kind of helped me have more of a personal life, basically. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I've gotten better with kind of managing work and uh, personal life. Uh, it's still a bit hard just because, you know, it's important to me and I'm uh, pretty mm -hmm. driven. But um, yeah, especially at first, um, it, it like especially since I didn't really know how to um, do a lot of technical things, like yep. the equipment I'm using and everything. I've just gotten better at using it and you know managing my time. But like I'd say at first, like it was more than just a full time job. Uh, like probably 70, 80 hour work weeks would be kind of a norm, sometimes more, depending <laughs> on what videos I'm working on. Yeah, wow. And I mean, on top of that, like managing, going through comments and everything, looking for topics like that, that also takes up your time. So um, it was a lot. And uh, now I've kind of worked on just reducing the, the, the entire workload, gotten better with editing. I've just gotten better with um, just finding topics to talk about. Um, I, uh, I, I've gotten so good at just making videos that I don't even have to write out scripts or, or plan anything anymore. I can just start filming right away. And uh, I've already got, I, I have the whole script and everything written out in my head. Yeah. So, so that all cuts down on time. Yeah. It looks like you've uh, found a way of uh, managing your time and energy, uh, energy with balance, um, yeah. with experience, you know where to put your energy, uh, you know, more deliberately. And, you know, you, when, when I first started, I was trying to work out how to use iMovie to edit and then like all of these things where people know an easier way, but I, I, I wasn't really reaching out to people. I was trying to do it all myself. And then you find the easier way and then, you know, you, like it's always going to be hard at the start kind of thing when you're learning all these technical things. But if you're really motivated, like it sounds like you were really motivated to, you know, debunk some people at the start, you made it happen. Hey. Yeah. Um, 
I will say this though, like managing time and learning a, a, like a, a, a lot of technical skills and uh, like especially if you're going to work on YouTube this might not be yeah. an issue with IRL activism but mm. if you're going to commit to doing something on social media it really really is important to understand these technical skills and what kind of yeah. equipment you really need yeah. um, and it takes a while to figure this out I might even do a whole video on this like the importance okay. of, of this because it really is an issue when I first started um, I only had a camera, so that was like the only filming equipment I had, like, and a microphone. Mm -hmm. But um, now I have a camera, like a field monitor, I can actually look at what I'm doing. Uh, the camera I have, it has a really good autofocus, so I don't even have to adjust the, the focus. There's so many things that I have now where I can just go and start filming, whereas before I had to like tinker around for like 30, 40 minutes to get mm -hmm. like everything set up. So now I have a filming space where my camera is always in the same position. I have a monitor where I can look at all, like, look at everything. I can see how I'm framed in the shot. Everything is set up in a way where I can just get to filming and I don't have to mess around with anything. Um, so it, it weighs down on you. And I've seen this happen to Gary Rofsky where um, I think he just didn't manage his time properly, where he would just argue with fucking everyone endlessly, nonstop, until they gave up. Yeah. You... It, it, it might be a different field, whereas he mainly did IRL stuff and I'm doing like internet stuff, mm -hmm. but it's the same sort of principle where if you yeah. waste your time on these things that aren't so important, you're, you're going to burn yourself out. And, and I've run yeah. into that issue and I found a way to set up my camera, filming equipment, and the whole video production is streamlined in a way where I'm only doing things that matter. I have a lot more free time and I'm not getting stressed out on little insignificant things that don't matter. So yeah, yeah, it's it's important. I think social media media single-handedly brought down Gary Orofsky and burnt him out because he was doing um speeches in real life uh, at schools and he was have he would have a, you know, hour speech with a hour Q&A and he was getting the same arguments in that Q&A and then he might come back home and answer emails all day and he was really, you know, but then when he started posting online, that's when he got exposed to so yeah. many different, um, you know, people and opinions and, you know, hatred and things like that. And he's such a passionate guy that he would get in on it with everyone. And, you know, after a few years of being online, this is when he really started to burn out. And he, you know, he was doing this for years and years and years, but that's that, that online arena can be so taxing that you find yourself thinking and running over all these things in your mind when you're trying to sleep and oh my god that guy said that i'm gonna you know it's like your mind doesn't rest from social yeah. media you're either editing you're making a video you're looking how it went on youtube and the comment section and what's going on here and here and here and um you know being exposed to so many different opinions like let's just say you make a video a little bit off the mark maybe or maybe i said that in a debate a little bit off the mark and then you get a hundred people slating you, slamming you and trying to bring you down. If you're not a strong guy like you, Vegan Gains, that can be really, that can weigh down on you. And then you're thinking about it all night. You're not sleeping. It's affecting your relationships. And, you know, so I think this is a very important thing for people to know when they get on social media is where to manage their energy, what to, to use their time on to get effective at, you know, the equipment and what they're, you know, if, if let's just say Gary, right, he made a video put it up on YouTube, his message is out there, he sat back and didn't get involved with all the riffraff and the comments and stuff, that would have preserved, you know, him his mental state to the point where he could have pushed on and been, you know, reached another few million on social media. So let's hope that maybe after arrest he might even, he's been uploading again on his YouTube channel that 
if he stays off of Facebook and all of those things and just uploads on YouTube and leaves the comments to themselves that maybe he can progress. Yeah, and like I, I've done that sort of thing too where I'd work all day, up, upload <clears throat> upload a video and then just obsessively look through comments and, and argue with mm -hmm. people. Like it, it's fine to do that, but kind of give yourself a, a time limit and also just learn to pick out people who are maybe receptive. Yeah. If uh, you see somebody who leaves a comments, plants can feel pain though. Just explain to them, okay, well, plants can't feel pain. They're sentient. That's why I care about animals, not plants. And then if they, like, keep arguing with you on this topic, like, are you really going to waste, you know, 20 minutes arguing with somebody who thinks plants can feel pain? Just forget about it. Um, maybe if you see a comment where somebody says, you know, I'm kind of interested in veganism, but what about, like, milk or eggs? Is that bad? Mm -hmm. Well, clearly that's somebody you should actually spend your time with and it's productive. Yeah. Yeah. So learn how to kind of manage your time in that sort of way. But also, you know, if you are having problems where you obsessively look through comments and stuff, just give yourself a time limit, like only do it for maybe 20, 30 minutes after you upload the video and then just mm -hmm. go live your life, you know? There are some people who actually don't have a platform, but they love to get in the comment section because I have people that just love coming in my comment section and debating with people and that's their thing. Yeah. If that's just your thing then go for it and get in the comment section and get in my comment section and defend the animals in there. But if you are doing something which is having a much bigger impact, like editing and uploading videos, which are reaching poten potentially thousands, then you got to utilize your energy in a wise way. Yeah. So thanks for coming on, Richard. I just wanted to um, see if you had any finishing advice for anyone who's looking to do something similar to you, like where like maybe some something motivational or where to get started or something like that just to to because a lot of people they want to know how to do it you know what they should take into account and we sort of covered a lot of those things but do you have anything in finishing to say yeah sure uh you know if you're veganism if sorry if you're vegan and you want to get into activism um you can do it in any way like you don't have to do it on social media yeah. like right now with the coronavirus um that's sort of your only option right now yeah. and uh for the foreseeable future um gathering in large groups might be a problem so mm -hmm. I, i'd say like now would probably be a better time to kind of get involved mm -hmm. in, in online activism um if you want to do it uh like a lot of people are kind of afraid of putting their face on camera like they're kind of camera shy yeah just get over it. Like, I mean, there are dudes like Frank Defano. like I've made so many videos on that moron. Like if somebody like him, who's just like a crazy idiot, he's making a living online, just yeah. spreading stupid crap, telling people broccoli is bad for you. Wi-Fi and microwaves are going to kill you. He's making a living online and he has a big following. Yeah. If he can do it, you know, it, it might be worth a, sh a shot. Like, um, you can, do vegan activism you can reach a wide audience you know if you put yeah. some time and effort into it so it's worth a try because if idiots like this Sverage, a guy who like literally went on a mass stabbing thinks the earth is flat these people actually have following so i'm sure somebody with a more reasonable message um mm. i'm sure you have a chance of reaching like a lot yeah. a large audience so it's worth yeah. uh, just getting into and trying um other than that like um just don't get too obsessed with uh, social media. Like, uh, yeah. make sure you have a private life. Make sure you don't spend too much time looking at comments and obsessing over negativity. Uh, just say what you, you think is important to say, and then try not to get sucked into dealing with idiots too much. Yeah. Um, and I'd say that would be my best advice for that. 
Thanks, mate. And I uh, just want to say, keep up the impressive work. You're a very powerful voice in the movement for, for the demographic that you reach. And you have done a lot of work and you deserve a lot more credit for that. So thank you again uh, for coming on, Richard. And I hope everyone enjoys this podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.